0: Well, oh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Well, yeah, afternoon. Uh, welcome to Hudson Institute and uh, our panel this afternoon on U.S. Japan cooperation, especially in the defense of the strategic islands to the southwest. I'm Seth Cropsey, a senior fellow here. And uh, Well, I will introduce our guests shortly uh, but We're all going to speak and I have the pleasure of speaking first Um, The trade war between the United States and China that is uh, now brewing is one demonstration that the great power competition of the Cold War did not end with the Soviet Union's collapse. It just paused. International politics are no more static than plate tectonics. They just move faster. Whether equilibrium is the consequence of a few great powers that balance each other, or the result of several relatively powerful states whose mass keeps a lid on competing interests, the choice that we all face is either relative international stability or uh, its opposite. But the arrival or departure of any powerful state from the international scene must affect the international order's calculus. Although there have been significant brush fires and some close calls, the previous 73 years, that is from this one, have been less turbulent than the 31 years from 1914 to 1945, in large measure because of the military power, alliance, leadership, and benign interest of the United States. However, international balance does not exist naturally. It demands effort, and effort requires engagement, stable and prosperous finances, the preservation of military power, Strong alliances and, of course, political will. At most times since World War II's end, the United States has shown itself equal to the task in each of these categories. Today, another growing power seeks to challenge both the United States and the international order that it has helped to preserve. Some of you may remember this. I'll ask a rhetorical question. Could anyone who watched the ceremony in which the British returned Hong Kong to China in 1997 miss the understandable triumphalism of PRC officials? Did Beijing not see this as the last nail in the coffin of a colonial era that began in the early 19th century? Chinese nationalism today, their reverence for such historical figures as the 15th century admiral Zheng Ha, whose voyages of discovery to Africa's east coast were also excursions to collect tribute and the building today of a powerful and the building today of a powerful navy accompanied by acquisition of ports around the world as well as construction of land routes to testif- to Europe all of these testify to China's global ambitions and its effort to reassert former power. The trade war between Washington and Beijing is just one shard, albeit a very important one, of the strategic competition that characterizes the relationship between the United States and China, one on which the future international order rests. Other critical elements of this strategic competition include military power and geographic reach. This raises the question that we are here to look at this afternoon. China's ability to project power into the Central Pacific and the U.S. and its East Asian friends' success in deterring Chinese ambitions depend importantly on the fate of the South China Sea as an international body of water And on the strength of alliances and partnerships between the U.S. and its democratic friends that comprise the so called First Island chain, that is, the nations and islands that bracket the Asian mainland. The importance of the First Island chain uh, should not be exaggerated. My colleague, Andrew Kropinovich, former president of the Center for strategic and budgetary assessments, put it very well in a monograph uh, published last August. He said, faced with Beijing's increasingly belligerent actions, many states in the Asia-Pacific region are increasingly looking to the two great Pacific democracies and longstanding allies, Japan and the United States, for leadership. Japan's actions, uh, China's actions, excuse me, Present Tokyo and Washington with a strategic choice either accommodate Chinese hegemonic aspirations or take steps to preserve the international order that has provided an extended period of peace and prosperity in the Western Pacific. Krapanevich's study argues for the latter course. Uh, the core element of which centers on deterring Beijing from engaging in acts of aggression or coercion against its neighbors, principally those states in the first island chain. We agree. The Indo-Pacific region has seen an increased level of competition over the past two decades. Nowhere is this clearer than in the South and East China Seas. Through its growing aggression, the People's Republic of China has already succeeded in dominating the South China Sea. As Admiral Philip Davidson, commander of the U.S. Indo Pacific Command, stated during his March confirmation hearings, there's a quote China is now capable of controlling the South China Sea in all scenarios short of war with the United States, end of quote. In pursuit of global superpower status by the mid-21st century, China has sought to contest and change the status quo across the Indo-Pacific region by constructing and arming islands from the South China Sea to the East China Sea and beyond. As part of this effort, the PRC has expanded and modernized its armed forces. The immediate objective is to neutralize what Chinese rulers regard as the threat of the first island chain. This has included building a larger and more advanced surface fleet and air force, including the country's first aircraft carrier. It's now working on the third, which will match in displacement the largest US carrier, as well as advanced destroyers and more advanced, that is to say fifth generation, aircraft China's military modernization also relies on developing developing and expanding its amphibious assault capabilities by means of a larger and more capable Marine Corps PLA and Marine Corps along with more amphibious warships amphibious aircraft and amphibious assault vehicles in the PRC's crosshairs is not only Taiwan the keystone of the first island chain, and vigorous democracy, but also the Senkaku Islands of Japan, whose sovereignty the PRC contests, and the Ryukyu Islands. Any Chinese invasion of Taiwan or military attempt to assert sovereignty over the Senkaku Islands risks drawing the United States and Japan into a conflict with the PRC. China's pursuit of regional dominance and military modernization and build-up are critical to overcoming what Beijing regards as natural strategic barriers. To reach the South China Sea and the Western Pacific, Chinese ships and aircraft must transit through the choke points of the Taiwan Strait or through the Miyako Strait in Japan's Southwest Ryukyu Islands. There's a map here that if we could bring up on the... That's great. Thanks, Bob. In the PRCs, uh, yeah, I mentioned that. The the close U.S.-Japan alliance obliges the United States to defend Japan and its sovereign lands, islands, be they the Senkakus, the Ryukyus, or Japan's main islands themselves. Both countries maintain a security presence in the Ryukyus, especially on Okinawa. The Japanese Self-Defense Force, JSDF, and Coast Guard also maintain and conduct regular air and sea patrols through Japan's Southwest Islands and the East China Sea. In the face of a rising PRC challenge, The United States and Japan have, in recent years, streamlined and strengthened their bilateral security arrangements and cooperation. Both the current and previous U.S. administrations have stated that the Senkaku Islands fall under the Bilateral Defense Treaty. The two countries have participated in multiple bilateral and multilateral exercises aimed at strengthening amphibious and naval capabilities. Japan itself has strengthened its defenses and intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance of the Southwest Islands and has improved, has bolstered its self-defense forces capabilities on land, uh, in the air, and at sea. The self-defense force recently created amphibious units that train alongside U.S. Marines to conduct (coughs) opposed amphibious landings. In the Hudson Report that is the subject of today's event, we discuss areas to expand, to to build on, the bilateral security relationship between the US and Japan, specifically to better defend Japan's Southwest Islands. These include strategic level engagement and so-called tabletop exercises to plan for possible regional conflicts that risk drawing the U.S. and or Japan into conflict with China. Closer bilateral planning and exercises, expanding joint island defense capabilities in the southwest of the Japanese archipelago, building a bilateral means of command and control between the two states in the event of a conflict, and more, as you'll hear. Uh, a panelist, and I'd like to just bring this up because I think it's, uh, uh, it really applies to what we're, what we're talking about here. Panelists at a recent Hudson conference, Steve Bryan, mentioned one particularly useful instrument that would help improve crisis response. Instead of using uh, actual aircraft, actual platforms, uh, an exercise called Spartan Alliance, brought together 22 simulators from the United States, Italy, and other NATO states to give operators a virtual exercise in air combat. Uh, Predator drones, uh, T-346 trainers, C-130J aircraft, tornado combat aircraft, and uh, Germany's Patriot anti-missile batteries were all part of this virtual exercise. Italy plans to add fourth- and fifth-generation combat aircraft, which is to say F-35s, as this exercise ma- develops and matures. In East Asia, a similar crisis response simulation that exercised U.S., Japanese, and Taiwanese air forces would be an important step toward greater East Asian security, integrated crisis response, and the planning that is critical to successful crisis response. Such exercises need not be restricted to the operational level, but could be expanded to include theater and campaign level decision making. The stability of the Indo-Pacific region and the security of Japan and the United States requires today a strengthened and broadened bilateral alliance. There are some differences that must be respected, such as Japan's renunciation of war in Article 9 of its Constitution. However, cooperation in defense of the Southwest Islands represents an area where both parties can work together to improve their joint capabilities. Among Hudson's findings included in this report are recommendations to Initiate US Japan engagement and policy planning for the express purpose of crafting a strategy to deter or counter Chinese actions against Taiwan the Senkakus or the Ryukyu Islands Making such plans before a crisis is better than having to do so in the middle of one Conduct high-level bilateral planning and exercises to examine possible people's Liberation Army Navy operations and how best to counter them at the operational level. Expand joint island defense capabilities, again, to improve coordination between Japan's self-defense forces, its Coast Guard, and U.S. forces. Also, and finally, to build greater capacity into U.S.-Japan integrated command and control arrangements for the defense of Japan's Southwest Islands. China's policy to advance its objectives was once characterized as peaceful rise. The construction of artificial islands and their militarization in the South China Sea, wrongful and baseless claims of sovereignty over the same body's international waters, continuing challenges to and violations of its neighbors' territorial space, The ceaseless military and diplomatic hazing of Taiwan and the unilateral expansion of air defense identification zones, among others, are powerful indications that strong-arm bullying has replaced peaceful rise as an accurate description of China's actions in pursuit of their ambition." Secretary of Defense Mattis is correct in his characterization of the relationship between the U.S. and China as one of strategic competition In Japan the U.S. has a valuable and strong ally Expanding this security relationship between Tokyo and Washington serves both nations interest in keeping the peace Uh, This afternoon's other speakers Full bios are listed in your program notes. We're honored to have as a panelist this afternoon General James T. Conway, who retired as the 34th Commandant Commandant of the U.S. Marine Corps in 2010. There's nothing more I can say that attests to his knowledge and experience of amphibious warfare in the region that is our subject today. General Conway commanded the 1st Marine Division and served as commander of the 1st Marine Expeditionary Force during two combat tours in Iraq. Our Hudson colleague, Jun Isamura, arrived from Japan earlier this week. We're honored to have him with us for this occasion. Mr. Isomura is a senior fellow here at Hudson. He is a distinguished member of Japan's defense and foreign policy community with particular expertise in cybersecurity, terrorism, and Japan's foreign policy. When the floor is open for questions, uh, please wait for the microphone after you have been recognized. Uh, also, please tell us your name and organization, if you have one, uh, organization that is. Please say to whom your question is addressed and please Please ask your question in the form of a question Thank you very much and uh, Let me turn the uh, Floor over to uh, general Conway lecture
1: Well, thank you, Seth, for the introduction, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for uh, spending your time to be with us now this this afternoon. Um, in this distinguished group, I consider myself sort of the, the color commentator. I'm the Troy Aikman sitting alongside Joe Buck or, or Al Michaels, okay, and that, that's sort of been my role uh, throughout here as the paper has developed. These guys are the are the real sort of brains behind the operation, but I hope that I've been able to make minor contributions at least along the way. <clears throat> I've got three points uh, that I'd like to make with you folks this afternoon, brief points, uh, just to sort of frame the paper uh, that Hudson will, will sign off on. Uh, the first of those has to do with essentially China. Uh, since the fall of the wall and, and the uh, demise of the, of the Cold War, ni- 1989, um, we've been in a period of transition. Uh, after 1989, the United States was the single most powerful country in the world, militarily, economically. We remain that for a long period of time. Uh, but in that transition, uh, we have now evolved increasingly, I think, to what I would say is a multipolar world, uh, where there are at least five major powers out there that have great influence on, on, on world events, of course, the United States and China. I would add to that uh, Russia uh, with its, with its uh, petrol resources, the collective power that you see in, in Europe, and uh, the, the new uh, uh, power on the scene is India, yet to be developed to its full extent, but uh, the largest democracy in the world, a very populous country, and, and I think they're solving their problems uh, very rapidly as, as they go. I think the United States has adapted well to this multipolar scheme, and in, in some ways, it's even desirable to us because other nations can start to bear perhaps some of the burden uh, for natural disasters and some of those types of things that we've always done. Uh, I'm less confident that that China is is making uh, that that good adjustment. I think, if anything, it's fair to say that China sees it uh, simply more as a period of transition. If you if you use the analogy of a horse race, okay, in 1989, the bell rang and and the gates opened. The United States surged immediately to the lead, uh, going into the into the first turn. On the back stretch, now you've got five strong horses, any of which you know they're all in the front, and any of which can surge forward. And China sees themselves as that strongest horse that will win that race, and and they've pegged all of that. Uh, essentially to the year 2050, Uh, at which point their national plan will lead them to be the most powerful nation in the world economically and militarily, uh, unthreatened by by any other nation in the world, and and really leader uh, in in technology developments, uh, social uh, aspects of of, of life and, and that manner of thing. That's their national plan. And I would use that comment to distinguish potentially, between their country and ours. They have a national plan. It's a long-range plan, uh, and it's got a number of goals associated with that plan. The United States, on the other hand, uh, does not have a national plan. We have national values that we live by, and every four years, you know, uh, we can't have a long-range plan because we don't know what's going to happen after the next four-year election. It's sort of up to that president and his party to decide. So our values drive us, whereas with the Chinese, uh, they're goal-driven. And they've got a president for life, if you will, now that can manage that plan for as long as he's coherent and, and can do so until, until the next guy come along. Just, just two very different philosophies and models that are at work here. They don't have to clash, but they could clash. Because in this goal-oriented environment, uh, where it's uh, sort of winner-take-all, you know the rules maybe aren't as as strong as as in a value based uh, type scenario. Witness again what's what's happened somewhat in the, in the South China Seas and and their uh, sort of uh, uh, denial of international law and, and expectations of their of their of their peers. Uh, China has studied us. You know we've we've been in conflict uh, a couple of times. Uh, And in in recent years, certainly since the wall went down and the Chinese uh, have made it a point uh, to study how the United States and its coalition, its partners, uh, go to war. And they are very confident, at least in the Chinese military, the admirals and generals, that they can counter that and that the United States is not nearly as great a threat to them as perhaps might otherwise be the case. They've made it a point to strip out as much as they can our technologies. Our internet, our, our, our property, our secrets, those types of things to strengthen their own military. So, uh, quite frankly, the Chinese are fairly confident, should there be some sort of clash before they would drive it, uh, that they can manage themselves quite well. And uh, what's a little disconcerting to me is, as you, as an as a, a armchair student of history, uh, is that in China today, if you read the rhetoric, Uh, The strongest language is coming from the admirals and generals. They're making some pretty profound statements, uh, even warlike statements. And the last time we saw that in history was pre-World War II Japan. Uh, So uh, we're hoping that that tones down over time, but uh, but, we'll we'll only only know uh, as as time passes. Um, Trading partners don't have to clash. Trading partners should not clash. I mean, it's not in either nation's advantage for major trading partners uh, to come into conflict. And that's exactly what the United States and China represents today. Uh, the last time that happened, I guess, was, was probably World War I because at that point, France and Germany were the two largest trading partners in the world, and yet, and yet they, they entered conflict. Uh, but we would hope that both nations would see value in, in uh, common uh, good, uh, win-win situations for both governments and, and, and for our people. Uh, but what we simply don't know is what that Chinese geostrategic plan is for the long term, especially, in regards to this paper, as it relates to the Southwest Island chain. Uh, do they see it as a, as a launch point uh, for other activities, maybe domination of the uh, Asia-Pacific? Uh, or do they see it as indeed sovereign Japanese territory and that hopefully something can be worked out with regard to passage and commerce and that type of thing? We simply don't know. Uh, But we do know, based on what we've seen with Chinese activity in the South China Sea, uh, that we should be concerned that China is potentially a threat and that you simply can't uh, uh, ignore uh, that it is a growing threat and that they have a national plan that we're not privy to Uh, And the United States and Japan, uh, as as powerful friends and allies, uh, and and living up against that that Chinese vision, uh, needs to to understand more and potentially do more uh, to protect Japanese sovereignty. The second point that that I would make uh, is that in the paper you'll read that we sometimes use Taiwan and the Senkakus and the Ryukus in the same sentence. Uh, but, as June and, and Seth and I have discussed, they are indeed not the same, okay? Uh, the latter are Japanese sovereign territory. Taiwan is a democracy uh, not far from, from China, uh, but, uh, but inhabited largely by, by Chinese, uh, Taiwanese. Uh, the, there is a treaty, a 1979 treaty. Uh, that that says that uh, you know the United States will come to the defense of Taiwan if that nation is threatened, but there's also an agreement uh, that postdates that that there is one China, and and of course it's been a sine wave. Various uh, Taiwanese administrations have said that they're closer or further away uh, than 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 uh, than that, uh, but but the fact is, uh, I make a distinction between what China would do uh, vis-a-vis Taiwan versus what we would do uh, if they were to uh, uh, direct their intrigue towards Japanese sovereign territory. Uh, you have to ask yourself, if you're a believer in the old Weinberger Doctrine, and I am, which said that you know, if we are to uh, exert U.S. national uh, military power, it should be done uh, against a vital U.S. national interest, and it should be done with the total support of the American public and we need to go do whatever must be done and then and, and, and leave, come home as, as soon as we can. That's sort of the way of the American military. If we were to wake up tomorrow morning and hear that China had a blockade around Taiwan or, God forbid, we're putting forces on the island, would those, would those elements be in place? Would our people feel that the American defense of Taiwan, sending three carrier battle groups and three brigades of Marines uh, steaming towards Taiwan, because it is a vital national interest, uh, and would the American people fully support it. I think think we would need to look at that. And I can promise you that previous administrations have. And of importance to the U.S.-Japanese relationship is that Japan, I think privately and very secretly, needs to understand, administration to administration, what is our level of dedication to Taiwan. Uh, okay, so uh, enough about Taiwan the and the Senkakus and the Ryukus, where we have a large American presence, entirely another matter. Japan is clearly, I think, our, our best and strongest ally in the region. Uh, we have agreements with them, of course, that we will we will fly to their defense uh, if, if that nation uh, state is attacked, uh, and so there can be no question, and, and I think then it becomes incumbent on us and Japan uh, to show China that, to demonstrate that to China, and to let them know that Uh, in no uncertain term, would we see any activity directed towards that that portion of the first island chain responded to rapidly and and powerfully uh, by U.S. and and Japanese forces. Um, The uh, the third point uh, that I'd like to make is, uh, to me, uh, the most important part of the paper deals with the the operational recommendations uh, that are there. Uh, because I do think that uh, the, the biggest danger that we have vis-a-vis our relationship and arguably the Japanese relationship with China, with the PRC, uh, is miscalculation on, on one side or the other. And so I think the more that we can, we can be subtle, but we also need to be clear in terms of the signaling that, that we send. And I honestly think that the recommendations that are contained in the paper, the operational recommendations in particular, that take it to another level of granularity in what U.S. and Japanese forces ought to be doing, uh, is a good signal. It shows the PRC, shows China, that you know, what you did in the South Pacific won't necessarily pass muster uh, in the East China Sea. And so uh, things like, a, uh, it wouldn't have to be a standing, but a combined joint uh, command center Okay, I've, I've dealt with these things before. You don't, it doesn't cost a lot of people or a lot of money, but you establish a facility, you create the communications that's necessary, you war game you know, once a year out of there, and, and people get to know each other. U.S. commanders rotate every 13 months or every two years uh, out of the region. Japanese commanders probably every three or four years. So it's important that the players get to know each other. It's, this war gaming thing cannot be overemphasized, folks. Uh, so much comes out when you lay out what you think are the, uh, say in this case, the PRC options vis-a-vis Japanese sovereign territory. You you gather as much intel and you point to what they might do. And then you, you war game against that, because speed is of the essence. Response is, is measured in days, not weeks or months to something like that, arguably even hours, depending upon, you know, the severity of what's taking place. but. Because we are looking at being defensive, not offensive, reaction time is critically important to this whole whole equation. And again, people knowing where to go, to have the communications in place, and who you're going to talk to, and potentially how to deal with that situation is just invaluable uh, when when something like this pops up. Uh, you You won't develop a plan that you're going to execute step by step. A plan never survives first contact. There will be changes. There will be adjustments. But that you've examined all these things, and if if I'm a missile commander uh, in the Japanese Self-Defense Force and I think I'm going to take my missiles down to the islands on ships, all of a sudden I find out during the war game I'm fourth or fifth priority. I won't see those ships for days, if at all. And my resupply is not coming by air. It's coming by sea uh, because of the the volume of it, so I've got to move it up. Uh, and and it's fact after fact like that that, uh, that pops up when you war game something that really brings you a level of clarity that uh, you just didn't have before. So we're strong advocates of the idea of this combined headquarters, a joint interaction, people getting to know each other, understanding service uh, dimension and competition, uh, and the joint thing is always difficult. So if we consider that there's a threat and that it's important that we protect Japanese sovereignty. Uh, and that we need to know how to get to first base in doing so. Uh, Some of these operational suggestions, I think, are absolutely critical, and we hope that the audience uh, that eventually reads this paper will agree with us and start to take action. Thank you, and look forward to your questions. Thank you. Go, please.
2: Uh, I'm Juni Nisamura, senior fellow here. And... uh, Actually, uh, you can see this map upside down. Uh, the uh, uh, there are f- four seas. Uh, this is o- uh, Sea of Okhotsk, uh, Sea of Japan, East China Sea, and West China Sea. These are connected very closely, and uh, uh, and. Uh, uh, there is a, oops, a first island chain. And this is second island chain. And uh, this island chain has two kind of definitions. One is a geographical definition. And the other one is the uh, Chinese, China used these islands for the, their uh, military doctrines. And uh, uh, the first island chain. Defence the East China Sea and uh, uh, South South China Sea, and I uh, used to be uh, for the, their the, uh, doctrine is quite defensive. But today, getting very offensive. And uh, uh, actually, the uh, they China want to uh, get the command of command of sea and air in South China Sea and East China sea today and uh, uh, they are they are in, in in they say that in, in 20 uh, 4020 uh, China to reach equal power of the. U- US Navy uh, the and I just I would like to explain about the uh, the South Southwest Islands. The uh, there are two names, Ryukyu Islands and South. In, in United States, American use uh, Ryukyu Islands, and in Japan, the, uh, called South Southwest South, uh, South Islands because South, South West Islands from uh, Tokyo. <laughs> so uh, the. About the length of, uh, uh, of the Southwest Island, about 750 miles, and uh, wide is about 600 miles, quite a large area. And uh, uh, including five, uh, there are about uh, 200 islands, and including five islands and uh, three rocks of Senkaku. And, uh, <coughs> And uh, uh, see uh, also uh, here there is a uh, Russian Pacific Fleet in Vladivostok, and there are two major uh, China Fleet in e- uh, East China Sea, and uh, south uh, one one is in south uh, major Chinese Fleet in South South China Sea, and. Uh, so this area is very crowded and uh, troublesome area. And just uh, uh, briefly, of the history of this area, One hundred, uh, 125 years ago, uh, since 125 years ago, uh, in 1894, there was the Sino, uh, Sino-Japan War. and uh, uh, the, the war changed the uh, hi, uh, history dram- dramatically of the region. And the uh, Qing uh, Qin dynasty of China lost the war. And that was the contrary of uh, expectation since especially British bedded laws on China. and. Uh, uh, before the war, Korea was a tributary state of Qing dynasty, and uh, Taiwan was under the rule of China. And the Ryukyu, Ryukyu Kingdom was so-called dual uh, subordination to both Japan and China. But after the war, China recognized definitively the full and complete independence and autonomy of Korea, and uh, uh, ceded Taiwan to Japan. And uh, Japan-dominitarian uh, was uh, settled of Ryukyu. But the uh, origin of the war was uh, because of the conflict inside of Korea. The and. Uh, uh, I, I have to tell that the uh, those conflict, major conflict, because of the uh, come from uh, uh, stability, instability or conf, uh, inside conflict of Korean Peninsula. And uh, ten years later, 1904, there was the <coughs> Japan War. And uh, also, uh, after ten years, 1914, there was the World War One, and uh, also there were the even even in in this region there was some battle against the German uh, fleet stationed in China. And 19, uh, 1931, uh, the, Ma- the Manchuria incident. And uh, 1941, uh, <laughs> attack to Pearl Harbor <laughs> and World War II. And the uh, Korean War was 1950. In 125 years, there are so many wars and conflict in this region. and. Uh, and next point is the last seventy <coughs> years. Uh, the I mean the, the defense of the uh, South South Islands are uh, quite realistic and uh, specific practical defense operation. Uh, this is at the first time Japan facing in the last seventy years, and. Uh, in a uh, in a paper <coughs> monograph, we focused on Miy- Miyako Strait. Yes, is, is here. And uh, that, uh, to get out those two Chinese fleet to Pacific or to South China Sea, they have to pass Miyako Strait over Taiwan Strait. And. Uh, uh, And the only, not only the uh, uh, fleets, but also military air, air, Chinese aircraft, they have to pass uh, Miyako Strait over the Miyako Strait. And, uh, and Miyako Strait is uh, Miyako Strait is between uh, Okinawa and Miyako Island, and uh, you can find. Okinawa is just center of Southeast Islands, and uh, uh, we we say we we were, uh, the, in in our paper uh, we mentioned about the freedom nav- nav- importance of freedom nav- navigation, and. Uh, uh, not only in South South China Sea, but also uh, we uh, especially in general uh, recommended to consider about uh, freedom navigation in East China Sea too, or Miyako Miaquai Strait too, and uh, but same time that is a very not. Military issue, but very political uh, issue with China. If China, <clears throat> if China, so uh, I can say if China is a guarantee of freedom of uh, navigation in South China Sea, or they are. Uh, Good, take good behavior towards Senkaku or to Taiwan, so we can compromise to, with China uh, uh, to guarantee sort of the uh, freedom navigation of uh, Miyako Strait or uh, the uh, in, in East China Sea. That is, uh, uh, depends on Chinese behavior. And thirdly, uh, I would like to say uh, Japan, Japanese Defense Ministry and uh, uh, Self-Defense Forces have developed or are developing quite unique and valuable defense technology and equipment capa- capable of supporting remote island de- defense. And the SAR, uh, Search and Rescue, operations, especially an amphibious airplane called US-2, a quite unique and advanced seaplane, and has many achievements, including rescued uh, US pilots. And China just copied of US-2, and they are developing own amphibious airplane called AG600, and quite similar design. And uh, uh, recently, the, uh, they tested the airplane at, at a lake, last time. Um, but the, uh, I think we, uh, they will soon deploy the seaplane in their operations. Uh, Japan Japanese amphibious platform and technology should be provided much more active, uh, active, uh, 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 activity to the United States military, especially uh, US Marine Corps to, uh, to, uh, for American operations in the region. And the next point is uh, today that the uh, North Korea is changing, quite dramatically changing. But uh, we must carefully watch beyond the denuclearization of North Korea. And because of, we need very serious and strategic consideration on sort of establishing a mechanism of keeping stability of Northeast Asia, including Mongolia and uh, far east of Russia. Uh, it will be also important economic development of the region for keeping security. And finally, uh, I would like to touch something that the uh, there are two major and very heavy questions, constantly and for long. As one is why Japan allies there security on US. And uh, another question was, why Okinawa should make very heavy uh, sacrifice for defending the mainland of Japan, since 70% of US force stationed in Japan and their facility in Okinawa? And uh, answer will be, if US forces wouldn't be in Okinawa, Taiwan will be painted in red by Beijing. And uh, US, and also, if US, uh, US forces wouldn't be in Okinawa, uh, US couldn't keep their power, influence, or hegemony in the Indo-Pacific the <coughs> region. And even Tokyo will be unable to protect the Ryukyu Islands from China. And uh, also, the answer for Japanese dependency on US will be one is because of Japan haven't seriously considered on strategy on its national security for the last 70 years, even they have are uh, number number 8 of military power in the world today but uh, and secondary Japan have often used the US for their inner politics as Washington says so that is very simple way in in in, in a, you know in in Japan in Japan so but there is some, and also there is some discussion, Japan to be a so nuclear power state. Be, but before the de- developing such kind of childish discussion, there are many issues to be discussed and seriously considered on, on national security. Uh, and finally, I would like to tell to you about next project. Uh, Seth and the general talked about the uh, TTX uh, tabletop exercise. And uh, uh, the, uh, we, uh, we, uh, our next project will be the, uh, to finding several eff- effective and uh, mutual options. On strategic level and operational level of security of the South, Southwest Island, uh, such kind of exercise, through such kind of exercise. And I personally appreciate very much to General Conway through this project. Um, uh, we, I, I, I could run quite a lot. Okay, Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's time for questions and uh, probably answers. Um, again, if you would wait until your, the mic arrives after you've been recognized. Uh, and tell us who you are, your organization, and to whom your question is addressed. Uh, sir, over here.
3: Thank you very much, sir. Robert McGuire, uh, former Marine. Sir, uh, I have a question for to each of your panelists, Mr. Asamura and uh, General Conway, but there's a common thread between the two. Uh, first off, I very much appreciate the map. It kind of looks like you're you're back to the land, face to the sea. That's a, a good view of the map of the world there. Um, for Mr. Asamura, um, sir, Japan has wonderful capability, but it seems that they're suffering from the same problem we had years ago. They, um, their army and their navy don't seem to cooperate as closely before we developed our joint doctrine. If you could expound upon that, how the Japanese army from the Western Army Group will cooperate with the Japanese Navy during this planning exercise. I would very much appreciate a a little uh, commentary on that, but you'll see the common thread. Uh, To the General Conway, yes, sir, I I immediately turned to your operational uh, recommendations, and you had suggested a combined headquarters, but not necessarily standing. Um, would it not be better as you're doing all of these exercises to establish a standing uh, headquarters for deterrence value, if nothing else, and because it will take a while to make these um, relationships um, develop over time. So if if each of you could test, it's the common thread of working closely together. If you could help us on that, I'd appreciate it. To you, sir.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, I can explain that the 2011... There was the big earthquake and tsunami. And the uh, US provided Tomodachi Tomodachi operation there. But uh, we found that the US activities, operations, and the Japanese Self-Defense Forces activities quite separately. <laughs> and uh, the, we recommended in the monograph that the uh, to establishing sort of the uh, integrated joint uh, command control. But Japanese side, they are afraid very much. If you saw, they became the self-defense forces is part of US force, not equal partner. They are afraid about that. But that they have to. They shouldn't, they shouldn't escape from that. And uh, because of the, uh, as I told you, the uh, defense of South West, uh, Southwest Island is very practical, realistic operation. So it means as much as the uh, uh, such kind of realistic operation, they need more consideration of strategy. But last seventy years, Japan haven't got real strategy for def- national defense. When you ask them what is your strategy for def- you know, national defense, their answer will be just the U- U.S.-Japan security treaty. And uh, because of the uh, Article uh, Chapter Nine of Japan Constitution, that is not only limited control of the physical uh, uh, one, but Japanese controlled with mental, too. They shouldn't think about uh, strategy or defense. So uh, it's a very big issue for Japan, I think, today. So really, they have to consider seriously about uh, strategy and the understanding of meaning of strategy because the, as i told you the japanese military power is number 8 today higher than germany so without blame, it's very dangerous with only you know, so you should take balance between uh, strategy and operation
1: thank you Bob, thanks for the question, uh, and I would certainly yield a point on uh, if you want to send a strong message, a standing headquarters dedicated to the defense of the, of the Southwest Islands is the best way to do that. But I'm also a realist, and I know that anytime you start looking at a new requirement, it's going to involve time and money and people, emphasis on the, on the latter. Uh, so in the paper, we offered uh, the least onerous option, I think, where you, you create a headquarters, uh, you man it once a year for exercising, war gaming, uh coordination, communication, all that type of thing, uh, but the people have other jobs. They're simply earmarked to be a part of that staff, a vital part of that staff. Uh, and, and I think that would answer the mail. Certainly, if, if a crisis seemed to grow, you would man it up and keep it manned uh, so that it could uh, assume its command and control responsibilities uh, during, during any incident.
0: Let's see. I have a question from this side of the room.
4: I'm Peter Humphrey, intel analyst and a former diplomat. I believe the uh, Chinese uh, boat uh, seaplane was in fact fielded last summer. And it's extraordinary. It looks exactly like the Japanese plane. 5% bigger, obviously an espionage theft of the plans. Um, General, you indicated that the public support is necessary for intervention and that we were somewhat more likely to protect Japan against a a Senkaku thrust than Taiwan. I I take the exact opposite view. It seems to me that the US is never going to risk nuclear war with China over rocks. But we might actually do something to protect a billion-dollar economy, you know? So I just w- wonder if you'd comment on that. And also, can we make some progress about networking the radars from Korea to Japan to Taiwan to, to Guam and networking the SOSUS uh, apparatus undersea for the same purpose? Because right now, we don't, we're not very good about passing that, those data along those four points.
1: Uh, I can speak to the first point and say that the the beautiful thing about an opinion is that you're never wrong if it's your opinion. Okay, Uh, I just uh, I think that the issue is not the pile of rocks; it's Japanese sovereignty uh, and the obvious aggressiveness that would be reflected in a Chinese uh, assumption or a position uh, on Japanese sovereignty. Where does it start? Where does it end? Uh, and I just, uh, you know, uh, I got it that Taiwan is a huge economy. They're wonderful people. They go to our schools, and, and, and we like them a lot. Uh, but I, I would, I guess, return the question to you. Is it a vital national American interest that the two Chinas do not come together, as they've agreed that they, you know, they essentially are uh, of the same ethnic, uh, you know, uh, origins uh, from, from centuries before? I just, I just don't know. It's my opinion uh, that the United, that the average American would say, wait a second, I'm going to risk three carrier battle groups to a Chinese uh, anti-access uh, defense uh, if they see us steaming their direction uh, for that? I, I just don't know. Maybe we can take a survey in this room and see. But I, I'm of the opinion that uh, you would not have popular American support. And I can tell you, I'm not talking out of school here, at least two presidents who have said, ain't it going to happen.
0: go to the back here a little bit sir
5: uh thank you uh i am uh, my name is munihito nakatani i am a student at georgetown university grad grad student Uh, my question is to general conway and uh and perhaps to mr isamura um so Japan has been building its capabilities on amphibious operations recently. This year, we have um, built a new uh, ARDB, uh, uh, a sort of Marines for the Japanese Self- Ground Self-Defense Force. So, but still, I think the structure is immature. We have lear- been learning from the US forces in exercises such as Dawn Blitz and uh, Iron Fist. Um, but we still are immature inter service relations are I think they're they're still rough so i um, my question is what would be like the future challenges to I think strengthen our um, maritime or amphibious capabilities including the ARDB and maybe uh, beyond that thank you yeah uh,
1: I should probably refer to you sir uh, because it'd be a Japanese governmental decision but It it gets against what I stated earlier, time, people, and money, uh, and the service competition for resources. Uh, Japan is only going to put a certain amount of its national defense uh, or its GDP towards its national defense, and that has to be carved up in the different directions. And there would have to be, I think, a continuation of what is, I believe, contemporary Japanese government and military thought that the expeditionary part of what we're doing here is more important uh, than uh, simply the defensive part. Uh, you can argue that, that uh, amphibious forces give you a defensive capability because it's preemptive. You can get them someplace uh, where you don't currently have forces, and, and, and it makes a statement. But uh, just like in the United States Marine Corps, where we are competing for resources against our brothers in the Navy and, and the Army and, and the Air Force, you know, we think what we do is the most important aspect of national offense, uh, but so do they. Uh, And and so it's just a competition. Uh, We're delighted, frankly, as a USMC, to see Japan uh, creating the capability they've got. Whether it becomes something more than a nascent capability and and a stronger force projection, I think, remains to be seen in consonance with the understanding of of their constitution, of your constitution, sir. Okay.
2: Uh, Should I uh, answer to you? Uh, General, uh, actually, uh, um, amphibious capability is uh, uh, how to say, uh, especially for in in Highlands, and uh, uh, but the that is completely different operation I think from the, the other. Uh, you know the, the defense of land, and especially, I guess that the uh, the uh, ad, ad, from 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 other point of view, uh, the China's behavior or China's uh, strategy, uh, the Senkaku is not so important, I think, because Senkaku is just uh, near near lock, there is no flat space there. And the China want to keep that their uh, command of sea, of East China Sea. And also, uh, they have to keep always the uh, free navigation through uh, uh, Miyako Strait. But the, this is sort of irony. Why US kept uh, Okinawa? 70, 70 years ago. At that time, the uh, Miyako Strait importance, uh, you know, the Ch- China, China recognized much of the importance of Miyako Strait. But today, the US forces just middle center of you know, <laughs> strait. So that's, that is sort of irony of history. And uh, uh, so, and also, uh, so that is the just my constellation on uh, how to uh, how to operate all of the amphibious you know, operation. Yeah. Sure.
6: My name is Michael Yehuda. Um, I'm a professor emeritus from the London School of Economics and currently a visiting scholar at GW. Uh, My question is uh, is really about Korea. After all, Korea, or South Korea, is an American ally. It's a democracy. And somehow, its role in all of this has not been addressed. Now, I understand that. South Korea, especially these days, with its uh, reaching out to the North Koreans, the relationship with China, introduces a whole variety of new complexities. But is there a role for uh, South Korea in the kinds of strategic questions that you are addressing? Any one of the speakers?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. question, Mike. Uh, Both are very. Difficult countries, and even South Korea politics society is quite unstable. Most of former pleasant arrested, sent to jail, and uh, that is sort of a custom of Koreans, even South Korea and North Korea too and uh, and uh, Last, last Ju- June, there was the international conference in Ulaanbaatar in Mongolia. And I participated there. And the North Korean delegation were there. And it was a very good opportunity for me to talk with them Battery, personally. And uh, three days, I enjoyed very much with them. Uh, they are very serious, I think, for denuclearization. But point is, just talk between the U.S. and uh, North Korea, or between North uh, no, uh, North and South, about denuclearization. But po- just politically, we have to really consider about the practical how to denuclearize. I calculated about nearly twenty thousand steps, items. The how to bring out the. Plutonium from North Korea to where, or and the most important difficult issue is knowledge. Even denuclearized North Korea, but they have the knowledge of n- n- nuclear. So, uh, Mr. aikawa here, the from Manchester, <coughs> he is expert of nuclear issue, and uh, but the I'm afraid that the that knowledge. Move to, for instance, Iran. So we we are very careful how to how to we, definitely we need sort of a balance sheet between nucle- denuclearization and uh, the uh, North Koreans' expectation. So we need some sort of balance sheet, and where is point of no return? And such calculations and such, that is sort of the mutual language between North Korea and us. And even in North Korea, they cannot discuss freely, because there are so many traps inside of North Korea. So many people killed. High officials get car accident one day. And that is history of North Korea. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, the, even such kind of uh, the such kind of mutual language between uh, between North Korea and us also that the, they need same language inside of North Korea. But the uh, but the unification of Koreas I am quite doubtful. It's very dangerous, and also. Uh, U.S. forces in South Korea, I think Kim Jong-un expected to stay the U.S. force in South Korea because against China. And uh, uh, the Mongolian told me or uh, that the negotiation of South, North Korea is very, very difficult. They have very ex- lots of experience with North Korea. And uh, uh, Mr. Isomura, you should be very careful to talk with them. And uh, uh, many of them were killed. Uh, uh, And uh, historically, even 13th century, a Mongolian unified all of China. And uh, also, uh, they forced all of uh, uh, the... You know, Eurasia, Hungary and uh, 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 Persia, all, all they occupied, but without Korean peninsula. And they didn't want to touch much. Uh, they didn't trust the Korean peninsula. They, even today, China, Russia, Japan, and Mongolia, do not trust much on Korean, Korean peninsula. That's why I told we have to need so, sort of mechanism for the reason to
1: keep stability and safety, security. Michael, it's an excellent question, uh, I think. And, and um, South Korea is a tremendous ally. Uh, economically and militarily primarily as it focused towards defense of, of the peninsula um, but it's not quite the same relationship that we have say in in the uh, in NATO uh, I suspect that uh, that we would have to do some heavy negotiation with the South Korean government uh, if we wanted to use bases out of South Korea to launch against let's say Chinese intervention in Taiwan were we to to respond to that Um, I think that uh, certainly we could draw down our forces and use those forces at at will. But in terms of using bases in South Korea to launch an attack, that could bring a response back onto South Korea. And I think their government would be very interested in debating that and determining what's in their best national interest to do so. Uh, Unlike the agreements that we might have, again, uh, with, with some of our NATO partners that say, yeah, I mean, you know, defense for all. Article 5, uh, you know, whatever it takes uh, from, from each NATO nation that signed on. So it's just a little bit of a different uh, structure, if you will, I think, in the Asia-Pacific, and I think we would certainly bear the responsibility to negotiate whatever we wanted to do with the South Korean government. One, leaving them a little bit exposed, we to pull forces, but secondly, the idea of using Osan, for instance, uh, to launch uh, strikes uh, would, would be arguably problematic.
0: No, and I'd just like to, <laughs> in a in what parallel vein point out that I think that your question applies not only to South Korea but to all the nations um, in the in the first island chain and in that are uh, that understand what China is up to and where things are going and uh, as is well-known, relations between all those states are not, as Jonas pointed out, not what they could be. Um, and if uh, there were a greater understanding that there's a common interest here that uh, points to putting aside some of those issues um, for the good of all, um, I think that applies as much to South Korea as it does to the rest of the archipelago. Said that I would recognize. you from the back.
7: Thank you. My name is Jeanine Nguyen, with Voice of Vietnamese Americans. I'd like to ask both General Conwell and um, Mr. I, I-, so, I had to say your name right, um, Isumura, mm-hmm. about the U.S. and Japan partnership in the Southeast Asia Sea. You had said that the first island chain and the South East. South China Sea area, China has said that it want to be in control in 2020. And by then, it would expect itself to be equal um, power in many different ways with the US. So is there an immediate plan for that contingency? And what do you think of Chinese uh, plan right now being executed in the South China Sea, especially in the case of Vietnam and the Philippines. You know what happened to President Duterte in the Philippines and China seems to be trying to take an over the control of Vietnam. Vietnam is very concerned. Today, the President of Vietnam, Mr. Chen quang passed away. He was supposed to be here in New York to attend the UN General Assembly and to meet up with quite a few leaders here. His passing away was um, in a little shock to the people. Mm -hmm. What do you think about, besides um, the submarines and amphibious and all the defense structure, what are the ways that US and Japan can help the Southeast Asian nations, especially Vietnam? Thank you.
1: Well, I uh Thank you for the question, ma'am. Uh, I, I've been a little disappointed personally uh, at the lack of, of, I would say U.S., but arguably global response to the Chinese actions in the South China Sea. I mean, I, I think they're overtly aggressive. I think they're, they're ignoring or, or just blowing aside the international law, uh, law of the sea. Uh, it disregards... Uh, claimancy on the part of, of Vietnam, and in some cases the Philippines. I don't think they're in contrast with the Australian claims at this point. But several of the of the uh, Asian American partners and friends that we have have claims on some of those islands that, where they're building. Uh, so, so what's what's you don't reward good behavior by ignoring it, uh, and yet it seems to me that there's not been nearly as much. Uh, uproar over this activity as there should be. Now, maybe if I were there, I'd feel differently, but just back here watching it all take place as a retiree, I'm thinking, wow, you know, you you need, you need to slap someone's hands when they do something uh, bad. And I think this is a bad action that is maybe sampling international response uh, for the next step. Uh, and, and so I think uh, just you can argue it's, it's analogous to the Russian seizure of, of Crimea. Uh, except this is happening in the Pacific with the Chinese, and I think the international order needs to speak more strongly, uh, pull them into court, condemnation if that's if that's the outcome, at least to let them know that uh, this is not acceptable behavior according to international norms.
2: Yeah. Uh, Vietnam is uh, uh, in the ASEAN 10 countries, Vietnam is a little bit different because of uh, China, in history, China never could control Vietnam, uh, in, even in ancient era. And uh, Vietnamese character is very, very strong. And I'm sure that uh, Vietnam will be one of the leader of ASEAN countries. Uh, uh, and uh, and rapidly uh, developing their economy, and so uh, I'm trust very much Vietnam in the future future of Vietnam, and uh, China cannot touch much, uh, um, uh, can't touch much on, on Vietnam. Quite uh, the Vietnam is quite strong mind of of independency. That is the difference from other ASEAN countries, like Malaysia, or Singapore, or uh, Myanmar, yeah.
0: We have time for one more question here. Uh, I'm sorry that you can't ask all of them. Uh, and have all of them answered, sir. Thank you. uh, Do you want me to take a microphone? It's arriving.
8: Uh, Neil Garver, I live in Washington, D.C. I have multiple affiliations. Gene, it's good to see you here. I was going to call you (laughs) out. I have four questions. uh, (laughs) They will all have question marks, they will not be statements.
0: I hope they're short Uh, questions.
8: They are very short questions, but they are directed towards General Conway and the honorable uh, panel. Is it true that China is rapidly building a very sophisticated amphibious force that could land approximately 100,000 plus or minus troops on the first island chain, including strategic air support, EMF, cyber weaponry, and potentially space weaponry, some of which we might not even know about? That's question number one. Are there plans to continue operation Pacific Rim on an annual or periodic basis? Question number three, when you're ready, sir.
1: Okay.
8: What are Russians plans? Russia's plans as China continues to arm and militarize the South China Sea? And I understand that's theoretical. We could probably tell today, but we, we, we won't even know tomorrow, or especially uh, in two to four years. And I agree with Gene that by 2025, uh, all of this could happen. Question number four, what role does North Korea have in the current and near future as you see it? And you don't have to answer question number four because that's hypothetical.
0: At least three questions, General.
1: Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, just just quickly. I mean, when uh, 15 years, 20 years ago, Chinese PRC uh, force projection capability was mainly built around commercial ships and trawlers and and ferries. Uh, that has dramatically changed, uh, and 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 that that rate of change should alert us to the fact that uh, they 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 are aggressively seeking a force projection capability and, and a blue water navy. Visited there in 2010, uh, and it's grown by leaps and bounds even since then. So yes to everything you described, and it should bother us greatly that uh, the, the the subject of the paper here, those islands, are within home base fighter range of the mainland. So. Chinese, Chinese could very quickly construct a scenario where they take a piece of property and say, okay, so now what are you going to do about it uh, with all the force that's described here? And, and, and so I think that's why it's important that we look at preemptive measures on our part and on the part of the Japanese government to establish even more claimancy against the, the island chain uh, uh, to, to hopefully offset that. I think there will be operations in the Pacific Rim. I think, obviously, vis-a-vis North Korea, they've been a, a strong negotiating tactic. I think it's important, uh, as we talked about with our suggestion for a joint combined headquarters, that there be exercises uh, simply to bring best practices to the fore. I, I think uh, that's true of all of our Pacific Rim partners and allies, uh, the, uh, the South Koreans. We have uh, Marines in, in, in Australia right now. Uh, we're doing a lot of special operations-type things with the Philippines to help them with their, their terrorist issues. So I think operations and exercises are critically important if we're going to stay engaged and remain. Uh, a player uh, in the in in the Asia Pacific. Russia's an enigma. I don't know the answer to that, frankly. I, I won't I won't uh, endeavor to say. You know, lately, of course, they've been operating together, seemingly getting closer. Uh, my wife worries. Uh, at some point, there's uh, the the, uh, the lady of uh, of someone said that that uh, Russia and China one day will fight the United States. And at that point, there was no you know Russia. Uh, so, anyway, that, all, that, all that aside, uh, I, I don't know, Mr. Putin is a chess player, and he's, he's normally a move or two ahead of most of us, so I'm not sure what his thoughts are in regards, what he sees taking place in China. It'd be an interesting question to have answered. Uh,
0: quickly, um, very small anecdote. About, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago, uh, when I first visited China, I called uh, one of General Conway's predecessors, P.X. Kelly, and said, uh, uh, General, do you think that it's worth my time to visit amphibious capabilities, amphibious bases in China? Because they've offered me, this is when relations were better between the United States and China. They've offered, they've asked me what I'd like to see. And General Kelly said, no, nah, it's not worth your time. So, one of his successors has a different opinion, and I think you'd find that pretty universal today. Um, I I agree that the United States will remain engaged in the Pacific Rim, Um, and I hope that that engagement will grow, and that's one of the things that we're talking about here today. Uh, I suspect that you and several others here in the audience know that the, the Russians and the Chinese have recently just been exercising um, at a rather advanced level, naval exercise in the, in the Pacific Ocean, West Pacific. So uh, that's not a great sign, but uh, over the long term, uh, authoritarian, uh, despotic governments don't get along very well. So I think that the immediate future Looks not so good, but the long-term future, as far as their cooperation, looks quite good. It'll break up. Thank you. Thank you, Question. Look, I'd like to thank everybody for uh, joining us this afternoon, and hope that uh, uh, you will stay tuned to the same channel. And um, there will be more events on this and related subjects in the West Pac, uh, certainly our relationship with Japan and with other countries as well. Thank you once again for joining us this afternoon.
1: Thank you, folks.